friends, welcome. This is it. We have over a decade of episodes unpacking stories and life to help you discover your purpose, your divine design, and what you are wired to do. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt. Please subscribe on YouTube or subscribe to Girlfriend It so we can be in it together. Welcome to Girlfriended. I'm Patty Lynn Wyatt, and I will be your host today. And we are chatting with Kim Wall. And Kim has been a guest on our show a few times prior. And today we are actually going to be talking about the church, like the church as is in the big C. How how are we seeing the church, especially right now with the craziness with the coronavirus, the pandemic? Um, what has happened uh, with not even being able to go into the church walls and now everybody is watching church online and yet we're craving the community. How has it affected us? Um, how has it affected the church? And also how has it affected our our youth? And so with that, Kim is a, a pastor. She's a speaker. She's an author. Uh, her and her husband have actually co-authored several books. And she, uh, her, her husband is also a pastor at the River Church um, on the shores of beautiful Lake Huron in Michigan. And Kim, I have to say, I just, one of my dear friends just bought a bed and breakfast over in, in by Lake Michigan. And oh. I, I've seen pictures and it actually looks like the Caribbean. It does. I, you know, I, I'm a Louisiana girl, so I'm from the swampy South. Um, and when we moved up here, my husband is from this area. I could not believe the gorgeous water mm. um, and having been to the Gulf and, you know, seeing that gorgeous turquoise blue water and finding it up here. And it's just crystal clear. It is, it is beautiful. Michigan is a beautiful state. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, you hear Michigan and I have traveled so much and especially in the airline industry, I don't even know if I've been to Michigan. I think I have, but I don't. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been by the waters because I was looking at her pictures, and I was blown away by it's just absolutely beautiful. Uh, and we wanted to talk today about how the pandemic has affected our our church. And it, it kind of took us by surprise, right? At, at one point, it's like, okay, our churches, not that they ever closed the doors, but we really weren't going into the church walls. We did this shift where everybody started watching church online. Mm -hmm. And I know for, for me and my friends, we started watching all churches from all over. Now, all of a sudden, I, I watch Andy Stanley and I'm over here watching Mark Driscoll. You know, it's like now you're starting to and then you feel a little bit guilty because you're not watching your pastor. So then you squeeze that in. And yet uh, we've I know some of my friends have actually left their their churches, their home church, because they started listening to other churches online and and they were drawn into the, you know, some of the mega church preaching and it, it's definitely changed. And there's this shift. Also, some of the people on staff that I've talked to where they 
several churches had furloughs. So now there's a lot more expected of me. I'm supposed to, you know, do vacation Bible school where I used to have 10 people working with me. And now it's me and one other staff member. Uh, so really having to be creative and rely on the congregation, which which we should anyway, right? We, right. we kind of have put that all on staff and then we're not doing our part uh, as as being a, a servant, a volunteer. So what, what are your thoughts on what's going on? And I hope at the end we have a resolve. I hope we can then announce it to everyone that we have a solution <laughs> for how to do church through a pandemic. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I hope we could, but I'm about as confident on that as um, solving world hunger. So um, it, it has been very challenging. Um, you know, I know that you know, back in the early 1900s, when the Spanish flu came through, churches were affected and, you know, they dealt with some of the same things that we do now, but our culture is very different than it was then. And we didn't have, to your point, the ability to watch services online back then. And not only can we watch our own service online, but we can watch everybody else's. And that has, um, that has created some issues for a lot of churches, but also because the culture is different, there are so many people who have yet to return mm-hmm. and not necessarily because they're afraid, um, but more so because uh, they developed a new habit mm-hmm. and they filled that time with something else. And they'll still say they go to your church. They'll still say that, they're a part of that. They just, it's like, they don't realize it's been more than a year. Mm -hmm. It's been almost 18 months since I have been to church. Um, and so that has created definitely a volunteer shortage in any church, regardless of what size you are, um, is very dependent on volunteers Mm -hmm. because no matter how big your staff is, it can't do all of the things that need to be done in order to um, reach the community and um, help people find, you know, healing and hope and uh, provide tools and resources and all the things that a church does. Mm -hmm. So a lot of churches have cut their programs and what they offer um, or they've scaled back in a lot of ways. And it has just shifted. It has shifted the way we do church you know, in general. And then to your point, a lot of people not only are just watching online or have left, but some have or have stopped attending, but some have also left. Mm-hmm. And now they go, you know, somewhere else for, for whatever reason. Sometimes mm-hmm. it was the church's stance on the virus or vaccines or masks. Um, and sometimes it was just the grass looked greener over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they shifted and that has definitely take a toll, taken a toll on the local church. Um, I think even mega churches have been significantly impacted. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not to the degree that, uh, the average size church or the medium size church has been, but even they've been impacted by this for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say the mega church has definitely been impacted and what, what, I hear from from people with the mega church is that you go and there's so many service services 
and then you go and you see it on a screen anyway. So I'm not seeing my friends. I don't really have the community. I mean, if you're not in a life group, it's so easy. Like you said, you have new habits and, and some of those habits, I know even for me, I would go on a hike and listen to church. You know, my husband and I would do our prayer time and we would, you know, listen to a podcast or listen to church while we were hiking. Mm -hmm. And it was beautiful. I, I really enjoyed that. And so then you go to church and you don't see any of your people because you don't know what service they're going to now or if they're even showing up. And it's it's easy to go, well, you know what? I I'm watching it online. I might as well watch it online and enjoy a hike. Yeah. <laughs> so it it's if and that's why we should be you know, serving, not just sitting there and soaking it up, but you need to be serving, you need to be in a life group, you need to be giving um, into your church. And yet, I think it's hard for the staff because they don't even, you know, before you, once again, organically, you would bump into people, hey, can you help out over here? Or hey, you'd be great, you know, working in the students ministry or you, and now you're not even bumping into anyone. So you don't even know who goes there. Right. And and then you have the woundedness of people saying, I haven't been back in 18 months and nobody cares. Nobody's even asked where I am. Mm-hmm. And it's like, because we don't know where you are. <laughs> we haven't <laughs> seen you. We don't know that you're not being a part of the church anymore. Right, right. And, you know, sometimes you don't, maybe you realize that they're not there, but you don't know why they're not there. So are they there because are they not there because they're afraid? Are mm-hmm. they not there because they disagree with whatever stance the church may or may not have taken mm-hmm. regarding the pandemic or how they handled the pandemic? And and it's kind of back to a previous conversation that you and I had. Um, there's there's a lot of tension in our conversations because you don't necessarily know where somebody stands on a particular mm-hmm. topic. So I think fear keeps people, even the church, from reaching out to folks who aren't attending anymore. Uh, Because I don't want to offend you. I don't want you to think I'm judging you. I don't want you to think that I am pressuring or bullying you when I say, hey, where have you been? We've missed you. And that can be taken so many different ways, you know. And so... Uh, I think that is one of the reasons if you if you're a person that no one reached out to you, I know that that's hurtful, but try to look at it from the flip side of the lens. And maybe the reason why no one has reached out is because they were afraid since they didn't know why you weren't there in this circumstance. Um, And they didn't want to offend you and they didn't know how to handle that. And I just weren't quite sure how to navigate through all of that. Yeah. It, that's interesting. I actually had an acquaintance that that happened to. They had been on staff at one point. Then they were um, f- fierce volunteers, like always involved, always doing things uh, there at the church. And um, then through the pandemic, they lost a loved one. And when they did finally show up, somebody said that, oh, good, you're back. Are you ready to start serving? Which we would see that as, 
I need you. I love you. We can't do church without you. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a, a part of, you know, being tender and wounded, they heard that as you don't care what's happened to me. You don't care what I've dealt with. All you see is that I'm two hands to, to do the dirty work. Yeah. And just the, the perception, which it, you can see both sides. You know, yeah. we've both been there on both sides. And all you can do when that person shared that is, I am so sorry that that happened to you. I, and and if you defend it as, I'm sure that's not what the intentions were. I'm sure that's not what they meant. Then you're not validating their hurt. And so, so then you're a part of it, right? Then you're yeah. a part of yeah, I was trying to share that with Patty and all she could do is, well, we do need you there and we do want you to, <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. I'm just going to sit here and listen and not have <laughs> any words come out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah. So, well, and sometimes that is important to do, um, but then sometimes it is important to, yes, validate them and say, I know that was hurtful, um, but then try to encourage them from the other side, exactly like what you were doing. But people don't always receive that, you know, in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you let your thoughts run away with you and and just this is how it's always been. They've always just wanted to use me. They've always just wanted, you know, they just want me. They don't love me for me. They they want me for what I can do, not for mm-hmm. who I am. Mm-hmm. And your thoughts kind of run away with that then you will end up sitting in your brokenness. And your point is to let me help you not be there. Let me be that one voice. That's just going to be um, a, a spot of reason for you to help you not stay there. Um, but we can't control over what people choose to do, you know, with our support and encouragement, that's for sure. But this whole situation has complicated that exponentially. So with that, so we have, that this is a huge, massive problem, right? The enemy is having a heyday. Yes. Uh, what What would you say? Because I can look at it on paper and come up with all the answers. I just want you to know that. <laughs> I do not know the solution. <laughs> but in reality, you have the human factor that really messes everything up. Yes. Uh, So what would you say some of the solutions, like what can we do as, as a member of the church who loves, you know, I I do believe that the church is the hope of the world. I love my body of Christ. And yet I have my own pain and woundedness where I'm, I'm dealing with. And, and so what, what can we do? Where, where is the hope there? Uh, And when I say I have the answers on paper, it would be really cool for those people that are watching it online, then saying, okay, you have to be, and listen to me, you have to, my uh, authoritative (laughs) figure is coming out. You have to be a part of a life group. You have to join this area, but uh, where, okay, do we need to get back to some, you know, of more of the house churches because people are, they're dying on the vine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm seeing this, especially with the young adults. Um, my own daughter, who's 20, that, you know, they haven't been going to church for 18 months and, you know, they've been trying to do it on Zoom through life groups, but 
they they've been doing all the other activities that mm-hmm. hasn't stopped them at all. But going to church, there's we just aren't providing that. And I I I go, OK, we have to figure out how to create this community. I just went to this last week. I went to a church that's in my hometown and they have are you do you guys have a culinary dropout the restaurant no here it's a it's a culture of like cornhole and air hockey and pool tables just you go there and you can eat but you just hang out you know okay. just a really neat in, industrial very hip you know type place and this church has taken that whole vibe and built a church around that. They've engineered this just super cool, um, you know, glass windows everywhere where you have the green turf and all these fun, you know, places just to coffee type, you know, areas. And so, and they have enough parking that if you come to church, then you want to just sit there, have coffee with all your friends and watch your kids play together. Mm-hmm. They are knocking it out of the park. And this church went, they opened up four weeks before the pandemic. Oh, wow. And, and yeah, so then that hit. But now they're they're just going. The young, you know, couples are, it's just thriving. Mm-hmm. So I look at that and go, all right, the one thing I see is they're doing community well. And yet that's the one thing we're not supposed to be doing, right, during the pandemic. Yeah. That's what people are craving. And it's more of an outdoor feel to it. So they just open up the windows. You feel like you're outside. So they've created a space to make it work. And that's the part that I see, like you said, you know, with mega churches, because we, you're just going and watching, uh, you know, a message and that's, we're not getting the community. So that's, that's some of my solutions there, but what do you do? You can't just go, you know, build a $2 million building uh, for community. So you right. have to figure out how do we create that? Um, you know, and I, I'm in complete agreement with you. Um, we were created for community. So it is, we were intended to live with other people because, you know, Proverbs tells us iron sharpens iron. We need each other. Um for our own spiritual growth and development and maturity, we need each other for relational support and encouragement. And so one of the things that the pandemic did was cut us off from that. Um, And it created, I think that's where a lot of the woundedness that we're seeing in the church now, not that it hasn't always been there, but the isolation has kind of brought a lot of that to the surface. And The problem with community is, like you said, the human factor, because there's so many variables to that. The opportunity for being hurt in community is exponential. And so I feel that the the first thing that each individual has to do, because this is always my answer, I'm not in control of anything, and I'm barely in control of myself on a good day. (laughs) So it's it's all got to start with me and my perspective and the lens that I choose to see things through. It's me deciding I need these people in my life. I need to have fellowship and community and commune with them um, on a spiritual level, 
I need to do the same thing with them from a relational perspective, just as the encouragement that moms get from each other um, and senior adults get from each other as they go through the aging process and uh, they're losing their spouses, you know, um, as they transition to heaven, Mm -hmm. as, um, you know, people who are nearing retirement and they still feel so valuable and have so much to offer. And they're struggling with that whole idea. There's so many milestones in life that you need people Mm -hmm. to bring that support to you. And I think it, it all has to start with the individual deciding I need that and then be intentional to engage in that understanding that when I do, I am probably going to at some point be offended, be hurt, um, you know, feel rejected, whatever that is. But the need, but this need I have is so great that I'm willing to navigate through those things, communicate well and establish those friendships and be rooted in community. Um, I think that our unwillingness to navigate through those things is what keeps us in isolation, which is the, the devil's heyday. He, mm-hmm. The enemy loves to keep us to keep us isolated because then we become easy prey for him. In community, it's harder for us to be pulled down by the enemy. I mean, think about a pack of gazelles. You know, the lions are only picking the ones off that are you know, straying from the pack, they're by themselves, they're tagging along, they're on the fringes. The ones that are in the heart of the pack are protected because community Mm -hmm. is protecting them. So it's the intentionality on our part to create that and be willing to go through that. Um, And then as a church, I think it is understanding the particular culture of your local community for what's needed. Um, I think it's understanding what the people inside your church need. I mean, what's your demographic? So are you, you know, are you a younger church? Are you mostly millennials with families? Well, they need different type of community than if you have boomers. So, you know, know your demographic and then, you know, pinpoint things that are going to appeal to them um, within that demographic. And then I'm always for, um, creating events that cause demographics to cross, because I do think it's really important that boomers pour into millennials and, you know, uh, Xers are involved in the picture because we each bring something different to the table and we can learn from each other. And I think it's totally possible for a 30 something to have a close friendship with a 70 something. And that's very valuable. That type of community is really valuable. So valuable and spot on on everything that you were 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 saying, Kim. I could just keep listening to uh, th- just that vision there, and especially the the cross generations. I I feel that at times the church, which needs to be right, we're so focused on we have to get the young, younger generation in, and I and I believe that mm-hmm. that the older generations, the, you know, okay, boomer and beyond the traditionalist can feel, uh, you don't care about me anymore because you have this booming music that's giving me a heart attack and, you know, (laughs) all the complaints that we hear, but yet, uh, you know, in, in the corporate world, you're, 
you are valued for your wisdom and your experience. And this is probably just my, what I have um, experienced. And yet sometimes in the church, we cast the older ones aside and we are not doing that. Like you just said, yes, a gin, a Gen Z is going to learn from this 70 year old that could be sitting there in a Bible study or in, you know, a life group or whatever. And we've kind of discarded that. I don't think we, at least in, in the churches that I have been a part of, um, we don't do that well. We kind of think, oh no, we need our women's director has to be in her thirties because we want to bring in the younger generation and then, and then we think, or we have two separate, you know, women's ministries, one for the younger generation, yeah. yeah. Uh, just, it's hard. You're just mm-hmm. dancing around that. I was in California with my daughter this week, and there was a woman that, I want to say she was 92, is what she told us. But every morning we would go in to have coffee and she was sitting there. She'd be in there playing solitaire into the the lobby area there at the resort. And at one point we were talking to her and we left. And my daughter said, man, I just want to sit there and talk to her. She was so uh, funny and sweet as we would come in with this good morning. And, yeah. uh, you know, we were busy, you know, of course, we had to get to the beach. Um, <laughs> yes. But- I thought, I love that she said that. I love that she valued this woman and wanted to sit there and just talk to her. And uh, we don't make space for that, I think. You're you right. So, well, we have two minutes. And I just have to tell you, Kim, it's been an honor to have you on the show to get your perspective as a pastor who's dealt with the pandemic and the craziness of the congregation and who's there, who's not there. It, in the next minute, like what would be a tip just for those of us out there to, you know, hope that we will see, I don't know, something there with the church that we're going to see growth again? Or what are your thoughts? What are your tips? Oh, you know, I, I agree with you that the church's uh, best days are ahead of her. Um and I am excited to live during this time frame. And my number one tip would be go back to church. And if you're there, get involved. And if you're already involved, then be sure that you're loving people well. Because love is the defining factor. Jesus said that people would know us by how we love. Mm. And loving them through the pain and the hurt and the difficulties shows them the heart of God and is such a powerful connector to him and will help us navigate through this as we go into the great things that God has planned for us. Mm -hmm. Kim, I love that you said, I'm excited to live in this time. Um, that good, good tip right there. So go back to church, love people. Well, thanks for listening to us today. And once again, thanks, Cam, go out there, subscribe to girlfriend it. And we will talk again next week. Thanks for listening to Girlfriend It because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. 
hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.